Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to start at verses 8 and 9. I'll read from the NIV because there are certain words I want to draw out uh, to help form the message that I have for you today. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Verse 18 now, let's skip down and start there. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now I want you to see the word forces in verse 9. Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, forces are going to form the future. Look down at verse 19 and we see the word formed. It's a word of becoming. His emphasis is that Christ be formed. But if the recipe of life, the ingredients of that recipe, the components, the characteristics are not as they should be, then the forces that form the future will not result in us being more like Christ but perhaps being on the kind of pathway that leads us into the viper room or back in the viper room. He's talking to people who've come out of darkness. And he's saying, now look, don't yield your life to the forces that can take you back. My point to you is that forces form the future. Forces. And I want to talk about some of those today. There are many that we could talk, but, but the ones I want to key in on are the forces of choice, the force of habits, and the force of your dream. Like recipes, if you're hungry and there's something that you want to eat, you know what it is you want to eat. That's like your goal. Now there's a recipe, and that recipe has ingredients that if you put those together, work it the right way over the right amount of time, you arrive at what you desired. The ingredients became the force that formed the future goal. Forces that form the future. The first one is that of choice. I want to talk about the power of choice. And let's put it right into a great biblical illustration. See yourself like a farmer. See your future like an open field. Now any farmer knows that whatever he sows, it's going to come up in harvest. You see your partnership. You see that you're involved in the process. We learn from that analogy that you are a harvest creator. Graduates, I'm telling you, you're not a spectator to your future. You're not kind of sitting on the sideline just allowing it to happen. You are involved in the life that Christ is wanting to form in and through you. And it starts with the power and the force of your choices. A farmer doesn't stand and look at the field and wish for a harvest because the farmer knows the field does not respond to a wish. The field only responds to a seed. And so the farmer knows he's got to sow seed. And if the farmer wants the field to yield a harvest of corn, then the farmer is going to sow a specific seed for a specific harvest. He is not just gonna pray in the name of Jesus, For a harvest of corn. He's going to pray 
and work. And I would say to you, don't see those as one at a time. See them happening at the same time. You are praying and working all at the same time. Trust me, some of the best prayer is when you're right in the middle of the field of your future trying to create harvest of where you're going. Us seeing that the farmer is involved shows an, empower, uh, an important point that we have a part in this process. That, that, that it's so much more than just saying, God, I pray for your perfect will to be done. You then say, and I give myself as part of the process that will answer the prayer I just offered. And so I sow choices according to your plan for my life and the goal that I believe that you have for me. Let's develop this and allow it to mean something very important to us. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. The choices made today show up as harvest in the future. So you're empowered. You're very much part of this. You're not a bystander. You are a harvest creator. Where are you going? What do you see out there? What's, what's on the horizon? Then that's the goal. That's the picture. Now you see your partnership, your choices that will get you there empowered by God. Let's continue to develop this. Second Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 1. One day... The widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? That's a critical question. Nothing at all except... Notice her wording. She's saying, I have nothing, but yet she knows she has something, but it is so minimal. It is so little. It is so insignificant that she sees it as nothing. So as not to lie to the prophet, she, she doesn't stop at nothing. She says nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. She did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on whatever is left over. So there was not only enough, but there was more. Not only enough to meet the urgent need, but then enough to sustain her as she went forward. And all of that came out of what in her opinion was nothing. Nothing except... What is the nothing except that is in your life today? What we are learning from this passage is seed is the exit from need. Whatever your need is, you can fall victim to a circumstance that would like to tell you you don't have anything in order by which you can respond to the current situation. 
except, and the enemy would love for you to just leave that alone because it seems so insignificant, so small. It may just be enough strength to breathe a prayer. It may, it may just be the groan in a minor key of intercession one more time over a situation that is burdening your heart. But if that's all you have, see it as a seed given to God, a choice made to give it, to yield it, to plant it, then you watch what God can do in the field of your future through the force of a choice made little as much when God's in it. All Moses had was a staff. All David had was a sling and a stone. The scripture is full of this kind of truth. All Jehoshaphat had was a one-line song. And his nation declared it. His praise team declared that. And it sent confusion in the enemy's heart and mind. And they turned and attacked each other. Until the people of God were delivered without even having to pull the the sword or release an arrow. They were delivered. They were given victory over something so small. Hey, Jehoshaphat, what do you have in the face of three enemy nations that have formed a coalition to attack you? Nothing except a one-line song that declares the power and the mercy of God. Then sow it in the field that would want a future that would want survival and victory. So what you have. And he made the choice. And you watch God take what was very little. And make it enough to give great victory on that day. Little is much when God is in it. I encourage you with that. To every one of us here in this room. Sometimes we would see what we have as Nothing. Forgetting that all the disciples had was a little boy who had a lunch of just five loaves and two fish. And even the disciples said to Jesus, what is this? I mean, look at it. What is this among so many? What they, in other words, they were saying, Jesus, we have nothing, well, except this little lunch. But when Jesus took what they had that was given into the need, which was not anything remotely close to measuring up what was required of the moment, God took little and made it more than enough. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there's something stirring in my heart right now. That you're faced with a circumstance that seems impossible and insurmountable and you are falling victim to your limitations. And you feel like nothing and it seems you have nothing in response to the need. Take what you have, no matter how little or insignificant it seems to you, and watch what the power of God can do. He will lift off the limitations because he can do anything that he chooses to do. I pray in the name of Jesus that as you look at your future, you look at it like a field and you are a farmer and the seed you're going to sow are the choices you are going to make. And I want to tell you those choices are going to come up. You are a harvest creator. Tomorrow is just not going to happen to you. This this man, Harold, who tried to tell us we weren't going to be here today. Let me tell you, 
my strong conviction that happens in something like that. I held off in the first service. I wasn't even going to go there because it's just insane. But here's, here is my burden. People live and just let life happen to them. The people of God were never created so that life would just happen to us. The end times are not designed to happen to you. We as the people of God are designed to happen to the end times. You are a harvest creator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I don't like the way tomorrow is shaping up, then I need to start making some different choices right now. Life will not happen to me. I'm going to happen to life. And that's when you start becoming a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Well, praise the Lord. Let's go on to this next one. It's not only choices that we make, but it's habits. Let me set this up. On Monday, I went back to my hometown, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and was privileged to give the commencement address to the graduating class of Ridgeway Christian School. We started that school back in 1997. And now it has 380 students. It has its own campus, a $2 million campus, incredible, just amazing what God has done. And it started with a thought. We didn't have money. We didn't have land. We didn't have people. We didn't even know the I's you had to dot or the T's you had to cross to start a school, to move it to accreditation. All we had was a thought, a leading, a leading Hit the life of the leaders. Listen to me, graduates. Your future will be formed by the leadings of the Holy Spirit, the whispers, that still small voice in your heart. That It's so small and it's faint, but it's like a seed. Oh my God, if you get this, it's like a seed. And if you will then make a choice with that and you'll plant it in the field of your future, it may seem insignificant, but I want to tell you, little is much. We had no idea that the thought of starting a school contained 380 kids, a $2 million campus, fully accredited, great leadership. We hoped that it contained that, but we had no reality to even wrap our minds around it. All we had was a passionate leading to take a step of faith The field of the future was out there. We felt there needed to be a school. So the field was not going to respond to a wish. It was going to respond to a seed sown. And so we took a step of faith. And now the rest is that God is taking it beyond anything any of us ever imagined. Oh, to where you're going to be one year from now, two years from now, ten years from now. It is amazing. It's far above anything you could even ask or imagine. You better hold on. Some of you, I went on your senior trip and we rode a roller coaster. I want to tell you the adventure of your future doesn't even compare with what we were feeling, my God, on that roller coaster. How many of you know that serving God is the great adventure? There's nothing that compares with giving your life to the future that God has for you. Praise the Lord. Choices made, habits formed. Great people are a result of great habits. Champions have champion habits. I love the Olympics. I love the gold medal ceremony. I love it when the flag comes down and the national anthem is declared. 
And the gold medal is given. And it's the result of not circumstance. It's the result of choices made and habits formed. A great godly life will be the result of choices made and habits formed. Great godly habits. What I'm saying is that as you move forward in your future, you're going to need to solicit the support of godly habits. You're going to need the strength that those habits will provide. You're going to need the stability, the perseverance that comes as a result of those habits. Life became so intense for Daniel. Daniel, that great man of scripture who wrote about the end times, who was in a Babylonian culture and everything was anti his core values. And instead of letting the Babylonian culture happen to him, he happened to it. And the reason is because he made certain choices. In chapter one, verse eight, he said he had purposed in his heart not to defile himself. That is a choice empowered by God. And then we know by when they created the, the prohibition against prayer, they created a conspiracy. They prohibited prayer, knowing that Daniel had that habit in his life. And if he followed through, they could have him thrown in the lion's den. And then they could get rid of him because he was impacting culture. And so when they let him know that he could no longer pray without the penalty and punishment of the lion's den. The scripture says, and Daniel did as was his custom. In other words, he just continued in the habits he already had. And then when he's thrown in the lion's den and we get the great story of God shutting the mouths of the lions, we see that the power of God was a result of Daniel soliciting the support from his godly habits. He didn't start praying when they told him he's going in the lion's den. That was already part of his life. That was already part of his daily routine. And when life got tougher than it had ever been, and it was already tough, but it got tougher. He was then supported by those habits. Hear my heart today. We need to build our faith. And we need to hold on to the faith. And the reason you build your faith and hold on to the faith is so that when the day comes that it's tougher than it's ever been, your faith will hold you. When you've practiced the spiritual disciplines, when you've developed great godly habits, then the day comes where you're able to draw support that otherwise you wouldn't have from those great godly habits and you continue in the future that is formed by the force of those choices and those great godly habits. I encourage you to consider that in our culture, we're tempted to say, what we would be if not for certain circumstances. Had certain things not happened to me, I could have become. 
Had I not been raised where I was raised, if it weren't for the home, if it wasn't for the abuse, if it wasn't for the divorce my parents went through, if it wasn't for these limitations that I have, then I could have become. And what we're saying is, I I believed in greatness and I wanted greatness, but my circumstances have made it impossible for me to be great. That the cards I was dealt just means that Though I agree with greatness, I can't ever have it. And that means that greatness then is a function of circumstance. But we all know that that's not true. Because the Bible is full of people who achieved the level of greatness for God, who had the most unfavorable of circumstances. We know people modern day who are being used mightily of God and they could have easily been a victim. See, greatness is not a function, and here, this graduates, it's not a function of your circumstances. It's a function of the choices you make and the discipline you give to follow through on those choices. See, I love this. Life doesn't have to happen to you. You're not just some victim, some pawn on the ocean that just gets blown in whatever way the wind is blowing. No, who would want a life like that? No, God has created you and given you the power of choice, which is like a seed in the ground where you become a harvest creator, where you get to partner with God, empowered of the Holy Spirit to say, I can be involved with what life is like tomorrow. I've got the power to choose my attitude. I've got the power to choose my response to present reality. I say we be like Daniel and purpose in our heart to just serve God and love God and honor God and be great for God regardless of what's going on around us. Hallelujah. Man, I love the kingdom of God. All the other self-help talks that will be given Across the university platforms, they stop at what you can do. And you can never be enough and never do enough to form the future the way it needs to be. Because there are forces involved when you invite the power of God through your choices and through your habits. Then, my friend, you are setting yourself up for the life God has for you. Let's talk about your dream. Do you have one? Too many people have never said the words, I have a dream. If you don't have a dream, that faith picture, then you're missing the awakening of all God has created you to be. Things will lie dormant in your life if you don't get a faith picture of where God is taking you. It's not that you know every detail. It's just you sense a leading and you're moving, making choices, forming habits that correlate with where you're going and the picture begins to be painted. It's amazing. I love Joshua and Caleb. In the 14th chapter of Joshua, 
Caleb is 85. They've been circling in the wilderness for 40 years. Now it, it looks as though they can, they can try to possess their future again. And so Caleb, he looks at Joshua and he says, give me the mountain. I love that attitude. Give me this mountain. He had wanted it for 40 years. Your faith picture, it's just your mountain. It's the direction in which God is taking you. And because that's the direction and that's the goal, the passion arises to go on and do whatever it takes to possess your mountain, your future. Oh, I'm so inspired by the power of a dream, the faith picture that God gives us. You were made for this. You were made for this. I'm telling you, the enemy will do everything to rob you of your dream, to try and destroy your dream, to, to throw it to the ground and stomp it into a million pieces. The Holy Spirit is a dream builder. Amen, church? The Holy Spirit comes to, to live through you, the creative power of God to awaken the skill set and the potential in you that corresponds with the mountain, the faith picture that God has for you. I'm not talking about a fantasy. You know by watching American Idol and the, those auditions, 20, 30, 40,000 people go to some arena, stand in line to audition. And there's so many of them. They want to make it but they can't sing. And you make it by being able to sing. Now they would say, man, my dream is to be the next American Idol. But it's just a fantasy because you gotta be able to sing. And so we understand that if we aren't careful, all we'll have is a fantasy. See, your dream will not make you someone you're not. It'll just awaken all that God has put in you for you to become. See, he's the one who created you. He wants to put you on the pathway of purpose. And then you discover he's put everything in you you need to live up to the challenge that you have. I have a Labrador retriever. She's a year and a half. And when she was just weeks old, I would shake this little sock in front of her and throw it. And she would run and get it. Why did she do that? Because she's a retriever. Here, and what was happening, and, and you know how if you keep developing that talent, it's amazing what they can do. All the way to being directed with hand signals and multiple retrieves, it's just incredible. And it's not because you've made the dog something it's not. No, you've just developed who it was created to be. The talent was there. It was lying dormant until it was awakened by opportunity. And when the sock was thrown, something in the dog said, go get it. And the dog found it could do it. And the more difficult you made it as you develop the talent, the more the dog can live up to it. I've had other dogs, and I'm still married to tell about it. 
I, I had the most insane dog ever. Three weeks after we got married, I bought this dog. It was demon possessed. And I'm telling you, you could do anything. And that, it just wasn't in that dog. Something was in that dog. But what you soon, what if, if you, if you get God's dream for your life, it will not make you someone you're not. It will just develop who you already are. See this, don't try to be someone you're not. Too many people in your season, they want to fit some, some kind of personality that they're not. And so you try to live out a fantasy. It's like a cloud without rain. Just be who God made you to be. I want to tell you who God made you to be will be much bigger than you ever think you could be. It'll go way beyond the talent you feel like you have. But see, that's where faith comes in so that the Lord raises you to a self that's greater than yourself, but everything that he's doing was already in there. He's just awakening it. Praise God. Well, let's move along. In this development of a dream, I just want to encourage you to take your mountain. I like that Kevin Durant, after every game, he goes to the press conference and he has his backpack. The only player that does that and people start asking, why do you keep wearing that same backpack? Finally, he spoke about it. He said, because I'm on an adventure. I've got a mountain. I'm trying to get to the championship. They said, well, what's in it? He said, my Bible and my iPhone and my iPad. So he had his truth and his technology. And that's really about all you need. My question is this. Do you have your backpack? It's an attitude. Do you have your mountain? And because you have a mountain, there's certain things you want to take. For him, he, he was saying, I have a desire. Well, that's my heart for you today is to identify that desire, the inner fire, that which makes you process about who you are and who you're becoming and where you're going. That desire, that curiosity, that hunger. Do you have it? As you look at your faith picture, you don't know how you're going to become all that you need to become, but you know there's an inner fire. I get overwhelmed when I think about where God has brought me and the kind of insecurities and thoughts I had when I was at your transition point. On the one hand, wanting so desperately to be used by God, and on the other hand, feeling I could never do it. There were times all I had was an inner fire that God put in my soul. Do you have that desire, that inner passion? You see, here's the deal. Your life is calibrated right now for the result you're getting. And if you need a greater result, then you need to go back and look at the choices you're making. And you need to look at the habits you have formed because you are perfectly calibrated for the result you are getting. Don't sit here and say, 
I'm a victim of circumstance. No, look at the choices you're making and the habits you are forming. And if you need to, recalibrate your life. Coming out of darkness, coming out of the viper room into a whole new life is recalibrating so that life will not be like it has been. Ah, hear this from God. Tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. Your life can change. If you will just look at your future as a field and realize what's going to come up is not what you're wishing for, but what you are choosing toward. And the habits that you form in correspondence with that goal and those choices and the discipline by which you follow through every single day. Passion, desire, curiosity, and he had his Bible. I will close with this. Daily devotions. I can't possibly tell you how important being in God's word is. And you can just hear that and let it pass right on by. I can't possibly tell you how important being in God's word is. When you try to get an idea and understanding of, of what it was about Caleb that had him so passionate at age 85 where he would say, give me the mountain. I'm as well able today, he said, as I was 40 years ago. He knew that the mountain is where the giants lived. At that age, he could have said, you know, I'm, I'm choosing a different part. I still want to go, but somebody else can have that part. No, he, he still had a passion, even though it meant conquest, it meant battle. And I found a verse in Hebrews that I think really helps us gain an understanding. Hebrews chapter 1, I'll read it for you, verse 3. It says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Another version says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Caleb received a word. It was the word of God. And the word of God was, Caleb, I've given you the future. I've given you the land. You're going to have to do battle. But I, I give it to you. It's promised to you. Caleb went for it, but everybody else got discouraged. And the force of that discouragement coming through the crowd caused them to circle in the wilderness to where many were dying in the wilderness. Forty years later, it seems that the opportunity is presenting itself again for them to possess the land. And Caleb says, I'm as able right now as I was then. And I believe the prevailing spirit about him, the Caleb spirit, reveals to us the power of God's word to sustain the dream. For God upheld Caleb by the word, the promise, and the power that was a result of that promise that keeps you climbing the mountain regardless of weather conditions. I promise you that your journey, your mountain, at times is going to be steeper than you want it to be. I can promise you there are going to be some weather patterns that you wish would just not happen. And it is going to be the word of God that sustains you to keep making those steps, to keep climbing that mountain of vision. It is the word of God in that very moment that will sustain you and have you holding on to what you know God spoke so that you keep climbing the mountain. 
You see, you've got to have desire and that daily devotion. And there I've talked about a sense of choice and habit that fuse together as a force that forms the future. Where you will be one year from today is absolutely a result of the choices you make and the habits you form and the mountain you climb. And you can yield your heart to God and say, Holy Spirit, lead. And you get a a picture and that picture forms the choice you need to make, which is then the step you take, which is then the path of purpose that you walk. And in that you're developing the, the spiritual disciplines, the godly habits that correspond with Christ-likeness and you are becoming and God is awakening skill sets. He's forming network. He is just working in the way that he does so that he takes you beyond anything you could think or imagine. And that's why you can be world changers. Do not let these end times happen to you until you get that chicken little mentality and you start becoming like Harold saying the world is coming to an end. Well, if that's true, we've got work to do and we don't need to retreat and get this scarcity mentality and and have this, this future shock, as I call it, where gas prices are high and man, we're sending you guys out. The economy's never been worse and we've got war. We've got all this upheaval, political confusion. We, we've got, and you can just say, I think I'm gonna go home. I'll just go home. No, get out there. This is your time and this is your season and this is your mountain. And so just go happen to it. And watch what the power of God will do in you and through you. Amen, church? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Graduates, would you stand, please? The team is coming to the platform who's going to help in the recognition. And as they're coming, I would like to ask the church to pray. Holy Spirit, we yield before you every one of us. And we give consideration to this important moment and transition. And I pray that we would see the future like a field and that we're the farmer and the seed is the choice we're going to make. May it be in alignment with your plan, empowered by the Spirit, sustained by your grace in our relationship with you. Thank you, Lord putting an inner fire in our heart out of which we persevere when it's tough. We celebrate the victories along the way. Thank you for a dream that takes us places we never thought we could go, doing things we never thought we could do, making a difference with our one and only life. stand here with this congregation and these graduates and we just ask that you see our yielded heart our surrendered life our willingness to hear your voice 
the American dream would tell every one of these graduates to do whatever it takes to make much of themselves. The gospel dream says, live in such a way that you make much of God. And I pray we would make the choices and develop the habits and have the kind of dream that would create a life that makes much of God. I pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. And everybody said, amen, amen.